0: Hey, it's Ari Shaffer. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Okay,
1: okay, Are you looking for a fun way to ring in the new year? Don't miss the funniest show in the year. Book for New Year's Eve now at yuckyucks.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
0: Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP.
1: What a great new intro song for the show, and I got to give my boy Scott Robertson credit for this because uh, he came up with it. I uh, had the pleasure of seeing Scott last weekend during the Ari Shafir show, and uh, he pulled me aside and he said, Jake, you know what would be a good idea, man, is to incorporate the Yuck song, the intro to the Yuck's Club, uh, into the show. And I never thought of that. I was like, man, yeah, what's creep bop? The Ramones, it's synonymous with Yuck Yuck's. All across the country. So there you have it, folks. Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful song. Thank you, Scott, for giving me that wonderful idea. So I hope everybody is well. Everybody is doing wonderful. I myself had one hell of a weekend. What an absolutely uh, astonishing weekend I had. And uh, it, it was great on a couple of levels. Because uh, one, I got to hang out with uh, the guests that we have here today uh, on the show. Um, later on, we'll be talking to Patrick Coppolino. Now I didn't really know a whole lot about Patrick before I met him, but, uh, I had seen some of his standup. I'd seen some clips. Uh, I knew kind of who he was, but didn't really know a lot about him. Didn't know his background. Didn't really, you know, uh, know too much. And, uh, man, I'll explain later, but what a great, great weekend hanging out with Patrick Coppolino. Um, the big thing of course, as well was that by proxy, Uh, Mr. Coppolino got me in to hang out with Mr. Ari Shafir, who I have obviously a very huge fan of a huge fan of his work. Um, and I had the absolute worst, (laughs) like this only happens to people with, no, no, you know what? I take that back. Actually, this only happens once in a great while, maybe once in a, you know, we're talking years. Now, I've been podcasting for quite a while, as you guys know, uh, not a huge long time, but long enough to know that you should always prepare for the worst. You should always uh, you know, be have backup stuff uh, going at all times. In other words, if you're sitting there recording a guest uh, for a great interview that you're doing, you should probably have a backup recorder there just in case you lose that file or something happens, your computer crashes, your phone doesn't work, whatever the case is, whatever you use to podcast with. Uh, The faulty equipment doesn't, doesn't always hold up. So I'm always prepared. I have a little suitcase that I travel around with. I'm sure some of you guys have seen me rolling around a little suitcase, like a, like a bag lady and uh, like a homeless person. And I carry this. Well, actually I look like a very handsome steward from the airline flight attendant. Uh, Like I'm the guy walking through the airport with a little, little bag, little carry on. Uh, That's my podcast equipment. I have you know two or three microphones in there. I've got my mixing board. I've got cords. But here's my point is that I carry just about two of everything. So I always have a backup microphone cord in case one goes on the frets. I always have a backup uh, computer cord uh, to make sure that everything uh, is, is working. Uh, I always have backup uh, microphones in case the microphone for the guest doesn't work. I have everything that you could possibly imagine for a shitstorm scenario. Now... We had reached out to Ari Shafir's management beforehand, like we always do. Executive producer, Kira Williams, in angel at head office over there, uh, always tries her best to book the greatest guests, the most interesting people. And she tried to book Ari for the show. Now... It's one of those things, it's just not automatically people have to come and do the show. We reach out, we send an invitation, we talk to their management. We say, hey, listen, uh, would they be interested in sitting down for a little podcast episode while they're in town? It's not mandatory. They just do it because, you know, hey, yeah, sure, I'll do the show. Uh, Ari Shafir, as you guys well know, very busy guy. Absolutely stack busy. So it wasn't absolutely abnormal to not get a response back or to say, Hey, you know what? If he wraps up, uh, you know, his own stuff that he's got to do editing and all that type of stuff, uh, we will try to get him available for you. But whenever big names come into town, I don't really hold my breath because a lot of the times they are busy. They've got commitments. Uh, you know, maybe they're hanging out with friends. Maybe they're, uh, you know, working on stuff back at their hotel room. Uh, so I, I don't ever take it personal. I don't get upset. I'm just like, Hey, you know, shit happens. Couldn't, couldn't do it now. Maybe next time. So, uh, I'm out, uh, (coughs) excuse me, at a friend's house on Saturday night. I'm just hanging out. Uh, I had podcasted with, uh, Patrick a couple of days before on, I think it was like the Thursday, no, the, the, the Friday. So it was like the next day and I'm over at a buddy's house and we're about to start doing a podcast and I get the bat signal, the light in the sky, the signal, the one the, the text I've been waiting for, Pat Copolino texts me and he says, Hey, buddy, Ari said he can do your show in between shows tonight at the club. My mouth drops open. I'm freaking out. I'm like, holy shit, Ari Shafir can do the show. Well, do you think I had my podcast equipment with me? Absolutely not. And on sage advice earlier, <laughs> I was told... Take your podcasting equipment with you. You're gonna to go to the club tonight, watch the show. There he might do the show. I was like, nah, I don't want to be a presumptuous, you know, asshole. I don't want to assume that Ari Shafir is just gonna, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll do the show, man. I didn't want to put it on him, and I didn't want to look like a douchebag and go like, oh, well, it just so happens I had it down in the trunk of my car. So then he would have been thinking this guy was just, you know, he's going to come here and he's not really hanging out to hang out. He's hanging out here until he can slip in. Can you do my show? So on the grace of good spirit and good camaraderie, uh, my now good friend, Mr. Patrick Coppolino, just went ahead and asked for me. It was really, really cool. Uh, and I don't know. He must have said, hey, I did I did the show with Jake the, you know, the day before or whatever. Uh, he's going to come hang out. You should do the show. I don't know how the conversation went. I'm assuming that's how it went down. Either way, I didn't have my shit with me. I didn't want to be a douche. So I'm scrambling. I run to Best Buy. I'm looking for one of those uh, attachments you put in your phone, uh, like a microphone. Um, I'm looking all over. I can't find anything. Uh, I'm going up and down the aisles trying to find like a plug-in microphone that I, and I thought, okay, well, how about a little generic microphone? So I buy one of the little generic microphones for like nine bucks to see how it sounds. I plug it into my phone and it sounds like shit. Now, a lot of people don't know, I, live, I don't live actually in Calgary, I live, you know, it's probably about a 45 minute drive. So I didn't have a chance to go home and pick up my gear and come back. I just thought, you know what, screw it, I'll use my iPhone, everything will be fine. I've heard interviews before on iPhones, when people are strapped or equipment fails, and it usually, audio not great, but it picks up fairly decent. So I say, screw it, I'm taking it in, I'm going to use my phone. I go into the club, I say hi to everybody. I watch Ari absolutely kill the headlining set, had the crowd absolutely. And and, yeah, and on this note as well, I just want to say what a very classy move that both Patrick and Ari stand at the front door and it gives them an opportunity to sell some merchandise, some swag for people who want to get it on the way out. But I thought was really cool was that they stand by the front door and they shake everybody's hands on the way out. Hey, do you guys want pictures? You want me to sign this for you? And this is the time that, you know, most acts, they get off stage, they just, you know, go to the green room, right? Usually just, you know, you're off stage, you're done for the night. It's like a band. You don't see the band out there signing autographs and, and, uh, you know, kissing babies. But Ari Safir and Patrick Coppolino both stood at the door, shook hands, talked it up with fans, took pictures. It was great. It was absolutely amazing to see that happen. And it, it, it was a very humbling experience to see somebody of their stature, you know Patrick, obviously a huge rising comic, uh, Ari Shafir, I mean, who doesn't know who Ari Shafir is? Take the time to actually stand by the door and shake everybody's hand on the way out. I thought it was a really classy move. Anyway, uh, they get done, and we go to the green room, and we sit down, and I start rapping to Ari. I said, all right, this is the situation, man. I didn't bring my gear. I didn't think you were going to do the show, but hey, let's use my iPhone. So Ari's actually helping me set this thing up. Okay, you know, hey, put it like this. And so it'll probably pick up better if you stand it up on its end and da-da-da. And I'm using this app that I've never used before because I'm, I'm, you know, I want to make sure that this goes off without a hitch. And, uh, yeah. So about two minutes into the conversation, the phone turned off. And it didn't record the goddamn interview. And I thought it was a pretty damn good interview is we went for about 35 minutes and I got to ask him all these stories about his time, you know, down in California when he started out uh, doing a comedy, when he made his move, what it was like growing up in Maryland. Uh, you know, We talked about New York. We talked about Sam Tripoli. We talked about everybody. And it was a really good, insightful interview from somebody who's been around for a very, very long time. And it was an interview that I obviously, uh, just was absolutely floored and honored to sit down with Ari Shafir for a good 35 minutes, one-on-one, and ask questions that I've always wanted to ask him. And it didn't fucking record. Yeah! Good job. Good job. Jake Hirsch, everybody. Big round of applause here. The Big, big round of applause. I shit the bed on the Ari Shafir interview. Now, here's the thing. The funny part about this entire equation was that after we got done recording, I hung out for, I don't know, a couple more hours, hung out, you know, hung out with the guys, hang out with Patrick and, uh, and Ari and, uh, and Angie and everybody there at Yuck Yucks, of course. And, uh, we start talking about, have you ever had any bad experiences podcasting? And Ari (laughs) Safir says, yeah, one time I did this interview with Liz Mealy and some of you guys, uh, you know, know who Liz Mealy is very big comedian from New York. Uh, I've actually interviewed her before as well. And, uh, yeah, he goes, yeah, we interviewed, we sat, we uh we recorded a podcast and at the end of it, you know, something happened, the file crashed and that was it. And so I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh man, how embarrassing would that be? How how awful is that that you just get done this great interview, this great podcast, you know, and you look at the ty- the, the, the 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 little metrometer afterwards on your computer and it's not moving. And you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> What the hell is going on? Like I could just, I was just remember sitting there thinking like, well, okay, well, I've done a couple of interviews before where, you know, maybe the audio quality wasn't that good uh, or, you you know, the phone cut out a couple of times, but whatever you make do, you clean it up as best as you can. And you post it, you know, asterisk, Hey, audio problem on this episode. Sorry, folks. Boom. It's done. I didn't have the fucking file. The entire file was gone. That was it. I got like two minutes of it and everything else was gone. So I'm sitting there thinking, I've got just wrapped up this great interview with Ari. Everyone's going to be stoked to hear this episode. Everything's going to be great. I go home, I go to transfer the file and I'm like, "Wow, well, that transferred pretty quick." That's interesting. What 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 let's go check out what happened there. <laughs> Lo and behold, the interview was was not there. So, yeah. That's my Ari Shafir story. So I'm hoping, here's the thing, is that Ari seems like a really cool, cool dude. Uh, he hooked me up with some swag before I left. Really nice guy. Um, you know, like I said, we chatted it up. And I just hope to God that down the road sometime, if Mr. Shafir gets the time, that he will entertain uh, doing an interview with me again. So the invitation's out there, an open invitation to Mr. Ari Shafir anytime, any place. I would love to do that interview with you over again. Maybe talk about some new stuff too. Anyway, onto the show today, folks, my good friend now, Mr. Patrick Coppolino. Now, uh, if you guys have not had a chance to go see this guy, uh, I was floored dynamite. He's open for Ari uh, on numerous occasions. Uh, he absolutely killed the yuck yucks, uh, the club this past weekend. Uh, he opened for Ari and, and just was absolutely amazing. Now I go to meet Patrick At the condo. We got the meeting set up. Going to go interview. He's kind of a quiet guy. A little unassuming. Didn't really know what to make of him. And we sat down. And we just started yapping about his career. And the rest was magic, my friend. It was a great conversation. You're going to hear all about Patrick's foray into comedy. How he got to where he is today. And the people that have helped him along the way. And it's just such a fascinating... You know, I found myself... Uh, going through the interview at times, just thinking to myself, wow, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, this is crazy. This guy's career, the opportunities that came to him. And I thought the really cool part was he talked a lot about people helping him out on his way up. He had this fantastic first year of his, of his career and the opportunities just kept coming. And he spoke so highly of people that have helped him in his career. And he's just such a very nice and humble guy. And, as I sat there and I thought about all these stories that he was telling me about, you know, his career and the people in it and the people that have helped him out. I just thought about how blessed I've been uh, just as much. So I think we kind of connected on that level. I was just like, man, I've met so many incredible people and not so much on the comedy and the things. What I'm talking about is, you know, it's not my budding comedy career. Uh, what I'm talking about is just opportunities to meet fascinating people and people who have truly extended a hand to me. Hey, do you know so-and-so? Well, let me make the introduction for you. What? You want to interview so-and-so? Let me see if I can make a phone call for you. I've met some really great people who were willing to put their name on the line to help someone else out, right? And that's what I was really inspired by Patrick's story was that there's so many people in his career that helped him out and not less than 24 hours, he's calling me and he's texting me about doing an interview with Ari Shafir. So that to me was just, it was, it was, I didn't have a chance to tell Patrick that. So I'm hoping that he is going to listen to this interview because I wanted to say thank you, my friend, for being an example of what this industry is all about. You turn around in less than 24 hours and you got me an interview with Ari Shafir, something that we've been working for, for quite some, some time actually. Um, So thank you. And uh, please, everybody. Stick around, listen to this fantastic interview, Patrick Copolino, and also if you not had a chance, <laughs> go check him out on Twitter. Uh, if you just Google his name, to be honest with you, he's got a great website, uh, by the way. But um, what I was going to say was, uh, check out this story that is going on. We talk a lot about it in the uh, in the podcast. He does this kind of prank Hollywood, uh, sorry, Halloween costume prank and. It, let's just say it goes over well. This is a fantastic story, fantastic interview, and uh, be sure to go check him out. Patrick Coppolino, everybody. So stay tuned. We got some great shows coming up. And without further ado, let's go talk to Pat Coppolino.
0: Right. And uh, I just met him like up on the stairs right. on the way to the bathroom there at the Toronto Club. And uh, I just introduced myself and so stuff. I didn't. Uh, I wanted to ask him if he had heard about it. Right. Like, I just wanted to see how far the reach went, like how close to Louis it got. Yeah. Because he played Louis's brother on right, Louis. Right. So on the show. Yeah. It would have been funny, but I didn't want to ask and then him go, "I don't know what you're talking about," <laughs> and then I just seemed like a loser. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have to explain it to him.
1: How many? Like, how many? Uh, uh, how much reach did that video get by by the way? How, like was there ever like an official like 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 cuz it kind of went viral, right? Like it totally yeah. went viral. Yeah,
0: yeah. It uh Did it
1: get quite a bit of play?
0: Yeah, it got I don't know what it's at now, but last time I checked like a couple days ago it was at like 80,000. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was that your first time ever doing something like that?
0: No, I've done stuff like
1: that before. Well, let's start way back at the beginning, man. So, okay, so you're from Hamilton. Yep. Okay, and born and raised out there
0: born and raised yeah
1: no way tell me about that what was it like growing up out there
0: uh i liked it yeah <laughs> i still like it i still live there um it was uh it's weird because hamilton has like the mountain and then there's a downtown okay the i've never been out there before like the, yeah because uh, they call it that because it's technically on a mountain but because no you way. go down these hills to get to the downtown area right but um it's literally like it reminds me of the lion king you know when um Kind Mufasa of is showing Simba no and he's showing him the, they're looking over and he's like everything oh, the light the touches va- yeah, is yeah. yours and yeah. then he's like what about that dark area and <laughs> <laughs> he tells him never to go there that's what that's what Hamilton was like for me when I was a kid. I was like scared <laughs> to go downtown.
1: That was like because it's so different. It
0: seemed like a completely different place. Right. But, uh, once I got older, basically once I started drinking, because that's where all the bars are. <laughs> so once I turned 19, I was spending more time downtown. And now I live downtown, and it's awesome. But
1: so your parents were right. But this is the dark area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay out of that area. So
0: I grew up with like a nice neighborhood. It was like old people, neighbors, really? and it was just nice. There was other kids around, but big big family. Uh, no, it was just me and, um, my sister. And yeah? My parents, yeah. Yeah.
1: No shit. When did you start getting into comedy? Uh... You got you got on stage, like, the first time you were, like, 19 or something, right? Yeah, 19. Pretty
0: young. I, uh, I was working for the J.R. Diggs show. I right. don't know if you've heard of that. No, I haven't heard of that. It's uh it was a Canadian show that aired, like, nationally across the country, but it was shot in Hamilton. Um, this guy, J.R. Diggs, he started his own TV show. Right. Um, kind of like, he's been compared to... Like the Tom Green route that okay. he took, because yeah. he kind of uh, did not cable access, but he it was interesting because he bought his own airtime. Like he would buy like the two a.m. slot, uh, no like way. advertising slots. and yeah. Instead of selling a product, he just aired a show. <laughs> instead,
1: kind of like the original Wayne's World, yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. Holy so
0: um, and then and then Global uh, took it on, and, and wow. then it, was, it was on the air for like twelve years or so. So I was I was the cameraman editor. And uh, like segment producer wow. for um, when I was 18 till, or no, before that, because I, I had dropped out of college to, to work on that show. So it was like, I worked on the show for like three years or so. What did you go to college years. for? Film and television. Film, okay. So you but
1: wanted I, to stay in kind of the same industry then? Yeah. Because yeah.
0: so I, I went, because I had volunteered on the Jared Diggs show in high school. Right. That's kind of how I knew him. Yeah. I just doing like um like production assistant stuff. Sure. And then when I was in uh, Niagara College for film and television, um, on my reading week, I went back and he needed an editor because right. his editor was leaving. So I came in to help edit and then he just offered me a job. So I was like, might as well just take it cause what that's did your what I was going say? to school for. So. were your
1: parents like, oh, God. Uh,
0: they were they were for it, I guess, if yeah, they seemed pretty... like a a good deal. <laughs> as long as you made some money. Yeah. And I was going to school for that anyway. So. It's like might as well take the job and, and learn that way. Yeah, I guess and it's kind of like uh,
1: it's kind of like getting hired on Wall Street like a month before you graduated. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, totally.
0: I, I figured yeah, the, the actual work experience would be better than a diploma or something. So yeah, because then yeah. I'm just fighting for a job with all the other people that graduated. True, true. So I took the job. It ended up being pretty cool because it uh, it was it's a small budget show, so it was primarily just me and him. Like I did all the camera work. Um, he directed it. He's he's in it. Right. Um, and uh, I did all the editing. So, like, I
1: learned quite a bit. Then. A lot. And, like, yeah. the
0: first week that I got hired, I had to, like, figure out Final Cut Pro and stuff. <laughs> like, because, like, the week I got hired, we had to deliver an episode that weekend. No way. So it, it was, was just... trial by, <laughs> yeah. by fire. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, Holy shit. I remember, like, it was a lot of work, like, a lot of hours and stuff, but it was, it was fun. And I, I learned a lot and it, it helped me. I didn't realize then, but how much it would transfer into what i'm doing yeah, now so yeah it was cool so anyway so i was working for him he um he we started just like at the office we would take breaks and like watch comedy and stuff right and he was trying to figure out like new angles for the show and, and naming comedians that he knew right like uh, manolas santanos uh from hamilton yeah and uh, you know manolas i've heard the name oh okay yeah yeah. he's a, he's a funny dude <laughs> he um so he Uh, We started watching comedy and stuff, so then I, you know, piqued an interest in it, and I always had, but I I didn't even consider it as a. Were you were you like a pretty
1: like were you like a funny kid growing up though like were you always yeah you know yeah like cracking jokes and shit
0: yeah I'm, I'm. I'm uh, introverted, too, though. Right. Like, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, like yeah. shy dude. So sometimes people uh, misunderstand that as me being an asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think I'm an asshole when they meet me because I'm just so quiet. I don't talk very much. Right. But I remember when I was a kid, like if I did talk, it was because I found an opportunity to say something funny. Right, right. That's when I would jump in and then, yeah. and then the rest of the time I'd be quiet. So. <laughs> but uh, And I remember when I was like 12... Um, it was the sixth grade. I saw Jeremy Hotz on TV. Right. And whatever it was, I just, I think in that moment, I realized that, like, that was his job. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Right. And I wanted to do stand up then. So I remember me and my buddy, uh, Spencer, um, we would write jokes together, but, we, you know, we were 12, so the right. jokes were awful. But, and, like, we had all these plans. He was going to be my manager. And, like, no way. I <laughs> you guys had it all set up. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but I had no idea, like, where I was going to, actually get to tell my jokes right. and so, yeah. so that only lasted like i don't know a few weeks <laughs> or a week or so and then it kind of just went away right and uh but i guess it was always in the back of my head because once we started watching stand-up on the when we were uh making the tv show um i got really excited about it again and yeah. um so i told him jr that i wanted to do it so he's he put together a show with like all the comics that he knew like from toronto and hamilton and stuff right and uh basically just put a show together so that i could go on for the first time no way and uh so it was like a week after i told him we did our first show <laughs> holy shit and uh it was uh how did it go it was okay i mean i would cringe a lot watching it now because <laughs> we taped it but um like the set itself was probably pretty awful right right but i the experience was i knew i could get better at it and i, yeah. I loved it the i never experienced that, that rush before.
1: Did you, did you, because I mean a lot of times like people's, people's first time is like usually like an amateur night or, or something like that. Yeah. And they get that automatic response. Like it's either a good validation of people are laughing at your stuff or you walk off and everything's kind of quiet and you know, okay, on to the next one <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Did you get that? I mean, it must've been difficult. I mean, to kind of be in a studio and do, and do that stand up stuff. But like, did you get the reinforcement that you just like, you knew you wanted to do more after that?
0: after the first yeah, show yeah like the
1: first time yeah
0: yeah i mean i it was weird too cuz like i had a lot of family and stuff that came to the first show right and uh and friends and stuff like that which so you had like
1: a lot of support a lot of people yeah but looking
0: back it, it was a mistake <laughs> to do that like i cause i tell, i run the amateur night now at Hamilton Yuck Yucks, and like yeah. a lot of times people say like oh they've never done it before but they'll bring all their friends and stuff
1: so they kind of get the pity which is
0: and... great Because, you know, it's good for, like, when I book the show, I like when that happens, because then, you know, the show is going to be busy. But um, I almost, sometimes I'll tell them not to.
1: (laughs) Just to come by yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or, like, if they ask me if they should or not, I I would tell them not to, just (laughs) because it was a mistake for me, because I remember, like, a, a lot of my family and stuff, like, I just had... I was watching like tons of Jason Rouse and stuff right, right. before I, I started, and uh so I said like really insensitive thing about things about my grandparents and stuff like <laughs> but I was just trying to be funny, but I didn't realize how awful it came across, and I just remember like just hearing like my aunts being like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like they
1: couldn't mortify yeah, they couldn't
0: believe what I was saying, and um so I wish they didn't see that
1: but but, but do you think that that gives comics kind of a false sense of uh I don't know, like it's some some type of a weird uh, thing of like when you get people laughing at stuff that really isn't, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think everybody kind of needs to get in there and, and kind of make their first time kind of comfortable, but yeah. I've done crowds where it's like you tell a joke and it's fucking crickets, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think you need that. Yeah. I think you need that kind of experience to understand what the, you know, what the line of work is all about. Right. So I think, a lot, of, like a lot of amateur nights, do you find that a lot of comics come in and they're kind of like, oh, this is what it's going to be every time I go up on stage?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, you mean when they have their family yeah. and they kill? Yeah, tons of friends. That are,
1: <laughs> <laughs> they completely crush it the first time up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There is definitely a false uh, a sense of...
1: Success, you know. probably. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um, but it's even worse. I've seen people bring their family and their families don't even laugh. <laughs> So I could feel see that hurting even more
1: no. than a strangers <laughs> not laughing. Yeah. So no kidding. <laughs> Holy shit. So once you went up that first time though on stage and, and you had you know your family and all that stuff there yep. and, and you came off stage, were you were you feeling like I know this is what I want to do?
0: Uh, I definitely yeah for sure I had yeah, that feeling. It that. wasn't justified by my act, but was, <laughs> but you felt but it. On I the felt inside. it. I was just like, oh, this is. This is cool. I want right. to do more of this. Right. And it just like it, I became obsessed like almost immediately. So
1: wow. So after that, was it just like did you kind of immerse yourself in the comedy scene?
0: Yeah, I, I did, and I was I was still working on the TV show. Right. And um, but I was just slowly like my interest like drastically changed from like TV and film to to comedy. I just right. became so obsessed with it. And uh, but I was doing lots of like film stuff in high school too. Sure. Like that was like my big interest, and it still is a big. Uh, Part of what I want to do, right? uh, Which is cool because I've gotten to kind of intertwine them with my comedy career. Yeah, but um, uh, it was interesting because I I became friends with Manolis pretty quickly after. Um, He said, like he kind of saw potential in me, right? Even though it sucked, but (laughs) he, but he, he he kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot and introduced me to a lot of people. And Jason Rouse was one of those people. Wow. Because him and Jason grew up together. Like, they were best friends for, like, decades. Wow. Wow. um, So he introduced me to Jason early on. So, like, even, like, a month or two into stand-up, I think Jason came back. He was coming back from, I don't know if it was, he was living in England at the time, and then he moved back to Canada. Right. Before he made the move to the States. Right. And uh, so he was doing, like, a little Canadian run. And uh, when he came to Hamilton, uh, I was running some rooms in Hamilton at that point. Right. Um, and so we put a Jason Rouse show together and he put me on it. And then once he found out I was doing all the TV stuff, uh, he was about to leave on the Monsters of Comedy tour, right. which was him, Sam Tripoli, uh, Ari Shafir, and uh, Chris Neff. Right. Uh, which are all the U.S. comics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he pitched it to them that I come along and film it. And like they'll give me like Holy five shit. minutes on the on on, the beginning of on the, the show. Tour. Sort of. Yeah, no way. So, um, So, yeah, I agreed. To do it, it was a, like a month and a half long tour, <laughs> and that was crazy for me, because at that point, when we left, I think I was like a month shy of being a year into stand-up. Right. And uh, so that was cr- I was Just still to so, go was,
1: hang out with these guys yeah, and, and learn, I was right? still
0: like, so new, like I barely had five
1: minutes. Holy shit.
0: But it, uh, I learned so much just in that month, because we were doing shows like every night, so I got to watch these like four headliners. Wow. do their thing night after night, and just they were giving me advice and stuff. No way. It was a really cool experience. Not a lot and of people
1: get that experience, man. Like, that's... Yeah. That's to get... I mean, that's like hanging out in the major leagues, like your first first year into, into, into baseball or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's sure. crazy. It was cool. And... uh What was got, that tour like? It was awesome. It, we did the whole West Coast of the United States, so we wow. started in... um In L.A. Right. And then we just drove all the way up, like, through San Francisco, Modesto, like, all the Fresno, all the little towns, All the small towns, yeah. Dust Bowl um, towns, yeah. All the way up into Canada. Right. Into Vancouver. And then from there, the whole tour flew to Toronto. Right. Where we did some shows. And then the the tour actually ended in Hamilton. Holy uh, shit. On my birthday, which is... uh, yeah, actually, it's a weird that we're talking about this because today's my birthday. So is this, it really? Yeah. Holy shit. Happy so, birthday, thanks. man. Thanks. <laughs> no. <laughs> now so I that. feel bad. I
1: should have brought you a cake instead <laughs> of uh, offering yeah. to bring
0: you a coffee. So that was five, uh, exactly five years ago. Today no, was the man. last day of that tour, which again is cool because Ari Shafir was and on that tour and now I'm I'm here opening for him. You're, you're opening too. up for him. Ah, so, but that's how that's him and crazy. I became friends too on that tour. So. Wow, man. It was really cool. Um experience
1: it was whatever came of of the film part of it, did it we finished
0: ever... a few versions of it right and there was a few that we sold like at live shows sure like after and then it kind of it needs to be recut right and now it's kind of you know it's been that was five years ago so Old-footed. yeah um, it's still yeah. cool like what we might do i think is um they want to have some sort of narrative to it now right uh so possibly they'll like because they did a podcast about it like two years ago or so okay. And uh, I think it'd be cool to do that again, where like maybe they look back at it, yeah, and then we can use the podcast as the narration for the to, story, for the actual, yeah, because yeah, their career and watch have, it as it's happening, it yeah, kinda, yeah, because their be careers cool. have kind of uh, grown, elevated quite, quite a, bit a bit since yeah. then too. So it'd be cool because that was such a grungy, like the whole point of filming that tour was kind of to show, you know, because there's there's not many comedy documentaries sure. about that part you know like there's like the comedians of comedy but it's already like they're already famous dudes. it's
1: yeah it's kind of a polished thing where people are already kind of elevated to that level and they're doing sold
0: out shows yeah they
1: got the catering in the back room and the whole this is kind of like life on the road this is gritty
0: like yeah (laughs) sometimes we're in a nice hotel the next night we're in some motel (laughs) six and like you know we're doing we walk into a bar there's like eight people there And Ari's so this, is, like this tweeting would be kind of cool
1: man this is yeah that'd yeah. be an awesome so it, thing it to watch neat.
0: so then there, but some of the shows yeah were were great they were right. packed and then some of them were just awful <laughs> and like we did a show at this place i think it was in fresno or something and it right. was like at some dance club and like during the whole show they had like a disco ball going it was like laser lights and like it was just <laughs> chaos But, uh, and like Sam Tripoli made it, like had a good line in that part too. He was explaining comedy as like, is how weird it is that people are like, this is, comedy so awesome. This is great. Right. Let's try to put this in a war zone (laughs) and see how it works out. Like it's weird that, you know, you see comedy at a club where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then people want to start doing them at bars and stuff. Exactly. It's it's strange. Yeah. But It was. It was really not neat. always
1: the best backdrop for a comedy show. I've found is, is yeah. just yeah, because you get like the guys who were just because there's always a certain like uh, we did this show. I think I was out in Kelowna or I don't know Kamloops or something like that, and you've got this element of like the day drinkers, people who have been there all day long who don't buy a ticket, they just hang around until the show starts and yeah. they just keep drinking and yeah. they're talking and doing their own thing. It's it's a tough crowd to do like in a bar crowd. Yeah, yeah, in a place that's not set up for comedy. And it's got a good comedy crowd. Like, it can be pretty tough on uh, the first couple of guys that go up. But yeah. uh, that's pretty crazy, man. I would love to see something like that, like a documentary like that to see. Uh... So, what was it like? I mean, you came back to Hamilton, you must have just been like, what the fuck, people? Huh? Like <laughs> coming back with Ari Shafir and yeah, like Sam Tripoli? Like he must have just pissed a lot of people off to be like this guy's his first year and he's already touring with these monsters. Yeah, masters, man. it
0: was. Uh, I know there was confusion with some comics like that that I I didn't even know them really right. yet. Um, like, just like comics that have been around for a while. I know some comments were made like why the fuck is he? That guy sucks. <laughs> Who
1: is sucks. this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who is he?
0: <laughs> but it was more. You know, I, I only got invited yeah. mostly to, to film it, film to it right. document it all, and um, I just happened to get to. They gave me guest spots at right. in the beginning of the shows, but but I did I did learn a lot from like the day we left sure. to by the time we got to Hamilton. Like even just in that one month, yeah. Um, uh, my act was improving. Like when I got right. back, that's when I started to feel like okay, I'm I'm starting to figure it out, right, right. And uh, but I still had a lot to learn, so
1: yeah. You know, it's funny because like in the world of comedy, I mean, you get either this uh, this spark of like I want to do this forever and I want to keep trucking along. And, and during that time, I mean, you are a pretty young guy when when your career started taking off. Yep. Did that ever occur to you? Like, this is going to be a long road. This is going to be. I mean, you see these guys, and I mean, the majority of comics have been out there for ten years, yeah. fifteen years, some twenty five years, yep. mean, and some people go on to get the recognition that they rightfully you know should get and yeah. there's others that that are just as equally as talented and they just don't get that recognition it's a tough job to kind of career to kind of go into but yeah but that never stifled you at all
0: uh no uh, and again like having those experiences so early on i think helped me learn um not to expect it to happen overnight because right. I, I did get to hang out with and, and, and talk to these guys who really, when we did the monsters tour, all those guys that were easily 10 to 15 years in already in, yeah. and they were still, you know, Working just trying yeah. to get there. So, wow. um, and like Ari, Ari was probably the most known person on the tour. Right. Like everyone recognized him from the amazing racist stuff. Right. And, uh, um, It was cool though to see like even like Rouse had a following down there in the states, and it was neat. And Sam, I I didn't really know much about Sam when we started that tour, but yeah, um, yeah, I I learned. He's a monster. He was like on Spike TV and all that stuff.
1: He's dynamite. That was one of my favorite interviews, man. That guy is just completely crazy, off the hook crazy, man. I love Sam Tripoli. Yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about the career trajectory that you've had since since then, because you've been quite a bit of a rising star in Canada, man. You got your name out there, like, you get a, you have a really big following, and and uh, you do really really well. What has that been like for you? How does that? Uh...
0: Uh, it's been awesome. I like after that tour, I, I really like buckled down, and I actually part of me leaving for that tour, I kind of gave up my job on that TV show. Right. <laughs> so when I got back, I kind of. Uh, just tried to work harder at the stand-up stuff, and I just you know I just decided I'll just get a regular job for now, sure, or do independent film stuff on the side, and then just really try to push harder at the stand-up. So, the next like couple years, um, I'd say a year or two, I was just trying to build like a solid you know twenty minutes or whatever, sure. and then by the time I had that, there was this uh, tweet by Tom Green that uh, someone had brought my attention to. And it was that he was looking for a comedian who could tour with him and open for him and also shoot and edit videos for his wow. YouTube channel. Right. So someone had tweeted me and said, like, try to get this. Because right. I didn't even use Twitter much then. So Right, like that, right. Um, my buddy sent it to me because otherwise I would not have seen it. Never known. Yeah. And uh, so then I tweeted Tom that I would like like to apply for that uh, position. Yeah. And, um, and he retweeted it, so I knew I got his attention. Right. And then, like, the next day or something, he tweeted me back and said uh, to send him my phone number and a, a direct message. So what I did. The and then he called me that day. Wow. And, which was crazy bizarre. Too, get a phone just call Just to from hear from his hungry. voice on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, yeah, he pitched me what, he, what his idea was, like, with the tour. And he wants to do, like, these little documentaries in each city and stuff like that. Sure. And, um I was obviously totally on board, oh, yeah. and uh, he's like oh we'll fly you out to vancouver we 'll do a weekend together We did end up doing the Yuck Yucks in Vancouver right and that was in like January of uh, two thousand and thirteen yeah and uh, so we went and did it and we we filmed some videos, we did the shows, the shows went great and uh, and then that turned into like two years of like nonstop wow, touring man. all over the world It was incredible, them, which was cool and then uh, so i that that was the next level of learning curve for me, sure because when i Again, when I started that tour to the time I got back from like we did like a 2 month run straight. Right. And then from that point on it was like um uh every weekend, like right. I'd come home and then on the weekend I'd go somewhere else with him. And so but that, after that 2 months even, like I came back it was just drastically different cuz again, I got to watch him every night. Yeah. And then him and I would talk and he would help me write and he would give me advice and opinions and That's um, crazy. Just really helped me shape my act and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and taught me more how to you know, set proper time aside to write and how to write and stuff like that. So,
1: Was it, what what was it, I mean, that must have been a surreal experience for you for career-wise, just to be able to say, like, not only did I go out and, and, you know, with these other guys that, you know, and did this month-and-a-half-long tour or whatever it was, and then to come back and then, you know, grind your teeth, keep on going, and then get an opportunity to go out with Tom Green, like, that's... That's monster it was, man. It was That's really crazy. cool
0: because even in that first run, we did Vancouver because I was only supposed to go. To, I booked a flight to Vancouver and home.
1: Right, so it was supposed to be like a one-off type of a yeah. Thing. So yeah. it was just
0: supposed to be a weekend, and then we'll see from there. Right. But then once we were there, Tom was like, "You should just like keep coming with me." So we canceled my flight home. <laughs> And, and I was working at a call center at the time, so like, I just never went back. <laughs> I didn't tell them or anything. They still I just, have a cubicle there for you. Yeah, they waiting. knew I was leaving to, to do the weekend with Tom Green, so yeah. they were like excited for me. But then right. I just, they never heard from me again. <laughs> I didn't quit or anything. I just never went back. And uh, so then we went to Whistler. And then from Whistler, uh, he asked me to go to Vegas with him. Wow. Which was crazy. Yeah. And then, so we went to Vegas and I ended up opening for him and Steve O. They were doing a co feature. I remember
1: that, hearing about yeah, this type called of a the, show. The yeah. The Pranksters of Comedy. Of comedy or yeah. Like that.
0: Yeah. And, or the original Pranksters, something right. like that. It was a, ve- a show at the Riviera in uh, Vegas. Right. And, um, that was, like, for two weekends. It was, like, ten shows or something like that. Wow. So I got to go down and do that, which was <laughs> insane. Cause then, and then while we were there, Tom's friends with Andrew Dice Clay, he right. was there. So now we're hanging out with Holy Dice. yeah, shit. I just remember we had this, like, super surreal moment where we went for a drink after one of the shows. And it was, like, me, um, Tom, Stevo, and Dice <laughs> just sitting there <laughs> having drinks. Like, this is so bizarre. And then... Um, one night we went out partying to this XS nightclub right. in Vegas, and uh, I got way too drunk, like blackout drunk. And I remember I woke up, and uh, I saw uh, there was a picture on my phone. It was a blurry picture of me, Tom Green, and someone who I couldn't tell who it was, but he looked like Chris Angel. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't say anything about it to Tom, though. I was just like, okay, this is fucking, I don't know who that is. He kind of looks familiar. And then the next night at the show, I... uh I'm in, I'm at the Riviera and I'm just hanging around in the lobby area. People are lining up for drinks and tickets and stuff like that. Right. And I just see someone waving at me. I got bad eyes too. Right. And someone's waving at me and I'm like, it can't be waving at me. (laughs) I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone in Vegas. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: So then I hear Pat. I'm like, what (laughs) the fuck? So I go up and uh, it's this dude. He's like, he's short, shorter than me. And he's like, he's got a baseball cap on and he looks familiar. It's the dude in the picture. Right. Right. Uh, But I didn't make that connection yet. And he's like, "Hey, that was fun last night." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> were you at the nightclub?" He's like, "Yeah, man. You don't remember? You you were pretty drunk." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't remember." He's like, "Oh," he goes, "Well," and then he put his hands out. He goes, "Chris." <laughs> oh shit! No I go, "Chris." Way. He goes, and then he took his hat off. He goes, "Chris Angel." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> no way!" <laughs> it's so bizarre. It was wow. such a weird that And is then crazy. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, that was awesome. You were so drunk. You were dancing on the, <laughs> like on the the tables and stuff." <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> But, uh, but, like, and I had, like, a huge beard and stuff at that point, right. so, like, he it was easy for him to remember Points me, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so then, yeah, then it, he just turns out he was uh, coming to watch the show, because Tom, I guess, just met him f- at the nightclub. Right, like so you got to come out into tomorrow each other. and watch it, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, okay, so I came, so he came out, and then he ended up buying me a drink, and he came and watched the show. No way. And then... It was funny because since then him and Tom had become good friends, so right. as the touring and stuff continued like uh like last year, I ended up going back to Vegas for a, a it was like five weeks right we'd keep going to Vegas for the weekend and then the during the week, we'd go back to LA, and Tom was working on his TV show and stuff. So every time we went, we would end up hanging out with Chris Angel and Andrew Dice <laughs> Clay, and no and also way. like like every night we were just like wow, it was the most bizarre. Like I had so many, no matter how many times we hung out with them, yeah, I just kept having these moments where I like. Kind of step out I was gonna, of it. That
1: was going to be like my question, man. It was like there had to have been moments, in, in, where you're just sitting at this table, looking around, and going, like, is this really yeah. my life right now? Like, I mean, this really yeah. is really happening.
0: Oh, for sure. It was. uh oh. It's totally like that. Like every time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost weirder when I catch myself feeling normal about it too. Sure. Like, cause there'd be times like we were just sitting in the room, we're all just talking, sharing stories, and just laughing and having a good time or whatever. Right. And then, and then I step out of it. I'm like. <laughs> I'm talking, like, Dice was uh, uh, giving me, like, relationship advice at one point, (laughs) and it was so funny. (laughs) It was just so weird, because we're sitting there, and he's, like, he's offering me a cigarette, and I'm just like, yeah, and then at one point, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't smoke this, I should... (laughs) Because that's like his signature. It's, yeah, it's, like have one of Andrew Dice Clay's cigarettes. Yeah, save it for later. Yeah, man. put it, it on the wall. So funny.
1: That is crazy, man. What a surreal career so far. Yeah, that's been it's nuts, really man. Weird. And 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 so Hamilton, is there a reason why you stay there? I mean, obviously you've got great credentials, and you know I'm sure you could be successful anywhere you want to go. Is there is there any reason why you you stay in Canada?
0: Uh. There's still well, yeah. Well, one, the biggest reason would be I have a daughter now, mm. so then she's she's uh, almost four now. No way. Um, so yeah. So when I was like, you know, still an amateur status right. comic, uh, I had my daughter, right? And um, that that again, that was another thing that really put a fire under my ass to to figure out how to start making money
1: <laughs> doing <laughs> I this. Start doing something here because
0: you know there was a lot of people, especially like my you know my mom and stuff was right. like what are you going to do about this comedy thing? Like, (laughs) but there was no part of me. I understood why that was a concern, but there was no part of me that was going to let that, you know, kill that dream for me. So we just found a way to make it work. And I have a really supportive family and like uh, my daughter's mom, she's super supportive and we work around the schedule and stuff. So, and now it's at a point where like I I am, I can do this for a living for now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the scary thing. You just never know, but, but it's, 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 Still on the up, it's yeah, still getting better. So definitely, man. We'll definitely. But but that's the you know I, I can't really move to L.A. or anything like that. Yeah. And, uh, with my daughter back here, but but you know if the the, the time is right and if I'm making a certain enough money and right. and stuff like that and it works out that she, you know maybe she can come down
1: with me or something. Yeah. Um, that would that's be that. Cool. That's you know it's become a very interesting topic, and especially the topic of a lot of these podcasts that I've been doing with a lot of obviously Canadian talent. Yeah. Um, is there a ceiling in Canada? And if there is a ceiling in your mind, is it something that you feel like you can break through that and create additional stuff to kind of complement that? I mean, no, um, like you talked about producing, you know, like doing production work and, and filming and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, there's a lot of things in Canada that are not being developed in the comedy world. Stuff like live tapings of shows. and. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just we don't have the same exposure. I don't know if it's exposure or... We don't have the same people kind of behind the scenes yeah. promoting comedy like they do in the United States. Is yeah. that something that, that you think down the road? I mean, is that is there a ceiling on, on comedy? You think that you're gonna get in Canada? topped out here?
0: Uh I think there is. I think anyone who, who you know, is Canadian that made it in the States mm-hmm. um, I think before they left they probably topped out right here. But like I don't know, like Jason Rouse, uh he, he told me that you know, well, they don't do comedy nows anymore, right? Right. But when they were doing them, he was kind of explaining like that's that's the top here. Right. Right. It's like once you get a comedy now, you gotta make the jump. Like you gotta make your if move. you stick around, you're not gonna. You can just. You can do another one, I guess, but it's not <laughs> going to help you. Right, you got to try unless it. you're yeah. Russell Peters and sure. it, YouTube's invented. But right.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, ultimately, is that? I mean, do you think that you have to ultimately make some type of a mark in, in a larger market like I, Los Angeles and stuff? Before? I do.
0: I think eventually, right. uh, only because of the, the way the system is set up here, right they just don't it's like they don't like stars here they what, they just don't what make is stars. that though? i don't know what it is it's just uh i've had this
1: conversation you could, Canadian, times, you could be Canadian. you could be
0: killing it here and then no one gives a shit until you make it in the states now all of a sudden You're a superstar here. Right. But you were here the whole time. Kathleen
1: McGee said the same thing like a week ago. She was like, and then you come back and they were like, oh, we knew you were going to make it (laughs) afterwards, (laughs) right? But yeah, it's like you... It's really strange. Yeah, it's very bizarre that there's not a nucleus of, of star power in Canada that actually stays in Canada yeah. and develops kind of that, that comedy scene yeah. as, as much as it, as it is down, it's down there. It's
0: really weird, because I remember, uh, like, even, like, you know, like, I'd say Kenny versus Spenny was arguably one of the most successful Canadian comedy TV shows. Sure. And, you know, before Netflix and stuff, nobody knew who those guys were in the States. Right. But they right. were, like, huge stars here. Absolutely. So it's really weird how yeah. that uh, how that works. And they even, when they had their one season picked up, on uh, Comedy Central, right? It was like season five, I think, when uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker
1: ended up buying. Yeah, yeah, they were in.
0: producing it. Right. Um, so that must have been like enormous for them, but it, for Big whatever reason, it. it didn't. Uh, they didn't catch on. They didn't take off.
1: Yeah, no. and I mean, I know like the Trailer Park Boys and stuff like those had like enormous success down the stage Yeah, like Netflix, yeah, and everything. a lot of people. But I actually interviewed Spenny Spencer okay. Rice, and uh, and what a fascinating interview that. I mean, and. and I mean, I remember talking to him and he was saying that he was working at like uh, like Whole Foods or something as like a stock guy or something in the parking lot. We yeah. got the phone call from his agent saying, hey, they just bought the TV, so you got to come back to Canada and stuff. Yeah. But it's just like in his mind, it's like it just never transferred. It never resonated in the States as big as it did in Canada. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's such a bizarre thing. I don't know why that is. But uh, anyway, I want to talk to you about. This video that you put out a little while ago, man, uh, I mean, just we're coming off the the Halloween uh, holiday the last uh, couple of weeks here, and um, I saw it online before I even knew who you were at, at first. I mean, I had seen some of your clips and stuff on YouTube. Uh, you just put out a comedy album a little while ago, yep. and uh, but I saw that I was like, I know that name, Patrick Copolino. I was like, Oh man, I, I know that name. <laughs> and then somebody wrote, "This is like the best Halloween costume ever." And then it was a picture of you as Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah. And holy shit, man! Everybody I've shown that picture to was going, "That's Louis C.K." Like,
0: yeah. There's people who think it, it actually like is. Spitting
1: him. image, yeah. Like it's crazy. Really weird. Where did you get the idea to do that? Did uh, somebody come up with it, or did somebody say, "Hey, people- man, like if you..." If Over the years,
0: these, people have told me that I remind them of him by you've my got the cadence,
1: but you've got the cadence a bit too, though. Like, you've kind of <laughs> yeah. got the, like, you like the, uh, almost like the same, I don't know if it's the energy or the same kind of calmness to you. Yeah. Cause he just seems like a very, like, type of guy you just sit down and just kind of, like, soak it in. And, and you've got that same type of energy, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So people have told me, um, that i I look like him right uh, for whatever reason, and um, I could kind of see it, like especially in certain photos i 'm like, oh, right there I kind of do, right, and like if I change up my facial hair and stuff, yeah um, so I, I knew I could pull off you know looking pretty much like him, yeah, and uh, it was really just the the magic really happened when i and I dyed and shaved my hair, which I still <laughs> <laughs> I know they that can't see my but I next just took question. my hat off.
1: I didn't fix it. I shaved the goatee,
0: but I kept this on my head. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe so it was I like a like skin Dr. cap or Phil. something
1: like that you would uh put yeah, no, no, no. like a makeup thing on. You head. actually shaved it. Yeah, and that I dyed it crazy. red.
0: So just, my beard was already kinda of red, but my hair is dark, so I dyed this red to match my beard. <laughs>
1: that is called a fucking commitment, man. That yeah. is commitment.
0: And then it was just that and a black t shirt and then just with the right facial expression, it just wow. um uh, yeah, it was really. It's funny because it, it took off. I posted it on Facebook, right, and then somebody from Facebook posted it on Reddit, right, and then that's because I didn't find out until like later that day that I was on the front page of Reddit and like it had over a million hits and tons of comment. I'm reading through the comments. Some of them were awesome comments, like like there was people that are like, "That's just a picture of Louis C.K. That's not a right. costume," and, uh, and some people were saying how cool it was or how yeah. funny it was, and then some people. <laughs> So like being ugly isn't a costume. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> no
1: way. There's always uh, fucking haters. Yeah, in every oh yeah. Year, but man. it's
0: funny to me. It amuses yeah, me. Used to be able to. So read. <laughs> I did that. Uh, when was Halloween? This past weekend, right? Yeah. So it was last, last Monday, Saturday, or whatever I, it was. Yeah. When I did the the change, and right. uh, uh, I did it on the Monday because um, I just I had like three shows lined up that week, so I thought right. it would be funny to go to the shows dressed up as louis ck right and so we, we did that like, like on the tuesday or the monday night and then tuesday uh i did a, my buddy of mine was doing a taping right um at a show so i was opening for him so i, I went up as louis <laughs> and then uh and then on the wednesday we were doing the amateur night that i run at hamilton yuck yucks and uh, that one has a brick wall behind it so right. this is where the the punching video yeah, comes yeah in, yeah because we were there and it was our halloween themed thing so that's partly why i i did it um, like the, that's why I did it early so that right. I could do the Halloween thing and host it as Louis CK or whatever. And while we were there, I wanted to do, just take advantage of the fact that I looked so much like him and I was getting so many right. like people telling me how real it looked and stuff. So I'm like, I bet you we could like trick the internet, <laughs> people on the internet thinking that uh, something bad happened to Louis. And uh, I did. I was thinking, like, what could I do? I didn't want to do anything bad that like would look bad on him. Right. I figured if I made him a victim, yeah, then like there won't be any issues, like legally. Back like I, I could have done anything. like you yeah. know Louis C.K. peeing in public or something, right? Slapping <laughs> <Right. Yes. laughs> someone out or something. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'll just make him i vi- I'll just we'll just just do something where like he gets knocked out by a heckler or something. <laughs> so we we chose to do the video like really short, right? Because we did. Uh, There's a bit of a backstory to this whole thing too, because a few years ago when I was running a show at the Town in Hamilton, which Mm -hmm. is just a pub, but it was like a really cool spot, right? And um, we were trying to do like publicity stunts just to just locally to try to get people to show up. Sure. So like one night Jerry Seinfeld was in town, he was doing like Hamilton Place Theater, right? And uh, we got everyone that was at the show to tweet like, "Holy shit, Jerry Seinfeld showed up at the Corktown to do a spot." And people started showing up at like 11 at night in their pajamas. The news, you get a glimpse the, yeah, of it. No a news way. crew showed up. Like Holy they were all shit. ready with their cameras in a <laughs> van going. Like everyone was waiting to see Jerry Seinfeld. He obviously never showed up. That's
1: brilliant, though. So
0: we did stuff like that. <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then at that same venue, we did a, a similar video to this punching thing. Right. Where it was a comedian gets stabbed at a comedy club or right. at a comedy show. And same thing, we just staged a, a heckler. We got the whole audience in on it. We had people film it on their cell phones and then post it on their YouTube, just random, like yeah. just multiple people. And uh, and again, an audience member came up and stabbed me. But right. the mistake we made with that video, like people debunked it pretty quick. It still like got out there and made it to CBC News and wow. stuff like that. Holy shit. And uh, I got... Interviewed by this news company that that does stuff for viral videos or whatever. Right, right. Uh, they're based out of like Phoenix, Arizona. Oh yeah. yeah. So they had me on their show for it. <laughs> so it, it did work, but it was um, we the video was too long and it was too clear. Like oh, we okay. gave them too many. If you watch it a couple times, you can start figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So with this Louie one, I wanted to avoid that from happening. I wanted right. to make it more real. So we had it filmed from like at the back of the room. Yeah,
1: I was going to say it looked very realistic. Yeah. It's almost like somebody just pulled out a cell phone from, right. it, from like the crowd. And that's yeah. why
0: I wanted it to start in the middle of the chaos too. Right. So I'm like, let's just keep it short like 10 seconds long. Yeah. It'll just be like you pulled it out and then he's, he's, right, he's exactly arguing great. and then he gets punched and then the, the video... Goes out, right? So we, I, we just did it like no preparation, no rehearsals. Like we came up with it at the show. That's just I was hosting, so I was like, let's just do this video. I was explaining to the audience, like, you know, he's you're gonna when I say go, you're gonna everyone start booing, like you're telling the heckler basically to fuck off, and leave him alone and stuff, and then he's gonna come up and he's gonna punch me, and then the bouncer is gonna grab him, and um, so we just explained it all, and we we just didn't even do like a dry run. We just did it. We just filmed it one time. And uh, it ended up turning out oh, pretty man. good. So yeah. we posted it and uh, and we put it on Reddit. Like the show was still going on. Right. And uh, it started taking off immediately on Reddit. Like it was getting like, you know, it jumped to like 300 views in like an hour. Holy shit. So um, we knew it was picking up. And then um, on Reddit, someone had posted. They go, oh, this is fake. Look at this alternate angle. So an audience member who was sitting on the other side of the room posted another video right but it was from that angle it was so obvious that the punch completely misses Miss you. right and they they i even said like if anyone else is going to film this and post this uh you got to start filming while it's happening and you got to stop it early right i don't want you hearing me say go right, right or right. cut yeah you know what i mean setting it up and sure yeah. enough they left both things in the video <laughs>
1: Otherwise, it would have been a masterpiece, man. Yeah,
0: but however, this it ended up being awesome because here we are. You know, it reached like three hundred something hits, and we're like, we see this alternate angle, and I'm like, oh fuck, the cat's out of the bag already. Like it's done, right? And uh, but then people started going, oh, the punch isn't real. This is Louis filming this for his TV show. (laughs) They're like, really? And then they're like, even though you can see the yuck, yuck sign, but the brick wall, everyone's like, this is the comedy cellar in New York. <laughs> and you can hear him say cut at the end. He's, That's Louie filming. His-. No so I was way. like, yes, this is perfect. Because <laughs> yeah, now it bro. started this debate <laughs> with all these people on the internet. And... Um, <laughs> And I didn't realize that this happened though until the next day because uh, I ended up just going to bed at some point when it was still at a few hundred. Right. And then in the morning I woke up and I checked. It was at like 18,000 views. Holy shit. And then I just like looked it up on Twitter like Louis C.K. Punch. And then all these articles started growing <laughs> up like all these <laughs> blogs, comedy blogs, and like news websites. Wow. And it's like Louis C.K. Punched in the Face by Heckler. And some of them were like sneak peek at the new season of Louis. No. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like But not one person Said that's not Louis, Right So they either thought The punch was real Or they thought It was fake But it was for his TV show Yeah definitely So it just When I read this. it
1: Like when I saw it On on Twitter I saw like a hashtag Or something Like Louis gets punched Or yeah. something There was something on that And And uh and I was watching the clip, and it looked legit. Like it was like a little grainy. It was a little bit like the first video I saw was just like this is yeah. this is brilliant, man. Like <clears throat> holy shit, this is crazy. I had no idea that it was a it was a prank, but but uh, <laughs> yeah. everybody was like all the comments after that were like oh my god, this is Louis. and then somebody else said no, this is this is his TV show. So I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it was it, I got the best, which of both is great worlds, because man.
0: it's like a, a it was like a troll within a troll. Sure, because the people that were like you know people on the internet, they're all they're calling other people you fucking idiots that's not real you idiot it's for his TV show obviously <laughs> it's like they don't realize that they're they're like, being duped again exactly because it's not everything. even Louie so it was hilarious and oh it just, man uh, it just like took off for like two days it just
1: kept going that is brilliant uh, what's up next for you, man? What, uh, where can people, I know you're in town right now. Obviously, uh, we talked uh, you know, we, we discussed that, uh, you're opening for Ari Shafir here in town at the yep. Calgary Yuck Yucks and, and, uh, your experience in Calgary has always been good or, or, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the last time I was
0: here with, uh, Tom Green, Tom Green, and, right? Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Did the five shows. It was,
1: and You just did a show last night with Ari and, and, yeah. uh, that went over really, really well.
0: Yeah. It was great. That's awesome, Packed. man. And his, his audience is, uh. I like those. There's a cool thing about like touring with Tom and and Ari and stuff like that. Is it's neat seeing their fans, right? Because you know when you're like you to your point about Canadians and stuff not making it to that next level. Sure, it's hard to grow a fan base in Canada. <clears throat> so when you do so many shows touring with Yachts, they're just people in the audience right, <laughs> that right. came for a night out. Yeah. So it's drastically different when you go to a show where the, there's people here for. Somebody. Right. They bought tickets because they want to see exactly. Tom Green or they want to see Ari Shafir. Yeah. So it's cool. And then if you're, you know, if, uh, with those two guys at least, uh, my sense of humor tends to go over well with their audiences. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it just makes Good for fit. a really cool experience for me. It's, it's fun. It's That's really amazing, neat.
1: man. And, and how can people find you? Uh,
0: they can find uh, me on Twitter. You've at, got a great website, too. Yeah. yeah. com. which uh, uh, I'm doing my release party next Wednesday. Oh, for no my way. comedy special called Too Much Information. I shot that in September. Right. And uh, so we're having the release party at Hamilton Yuck Yucks on uh, November 11th. Awesome. And then uh, also after the 11th, you can buy my special online as well for $5 digital download. Right. Um, at com. And it's actually up there now. You can pre-order it and it'll be released on the 11th perfect and then uh, it'll be on there forever for people to, to grab it. Awesome. So. And
1: there's a great clip on there as well. It's got like oh, a highlight reel of, of all yeah. of the of all the stuff. Like kind of like the the kind of the highlight reel of of the comedy album. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's uh that's killer. Thanks. But hey, man, thanks for doing the show and no and uh it was it was a pleasure to sit down and chat it up with you, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Well, there you have it, folks. What a great interview, man. One of my all-time favorites, Mr. Patrick Coppolino. Go check him out. Buy his comedy album, too. I'm telling you right now, keep an eye on him. He is killing it out there, and he's going to be one of the brightest stars from Canada. Trust me on that. Um, also, happy birthday, man. The lady's birthday. It was Patrick's birthday when we did the podcast, so uh, happy birthday, brother. As for the rest of you Yucca Maniacs, stay tuned for some awesome, awesome interviews coming up. Uh And always a pleasure doing this show for you. On behalf of myself, Jake Hirsch, the whole crew at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, and, of course, our webmaster on the one, twos, and threes, Camille. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.